Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Amen. In just a few moments, I'll step to the pulpit and deliver a message that the Lord has placed on my heart. But first of all, I have to be obedient. The Bible says in John, the 12th chapter, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. I want you to know nobody's excluded, nobody's left out. When our Lord and Savior is lifted up, He tugs at hearts. He draws people to Himself. I'm going to preach a message in just a moment, and then I'll give an invitation at the conclusion of that message for Christians to get right with God and to cry out to the Lord. But if you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, if the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, if you know that He's speaking to you this morning and you know you need to get saved, I'd like for you to get saved before I preach. Not after. So I'll pause just for a moment. Would you stand up right where you are and walk down this aisle? I won't embarrass you. I won't put you in a bad light. But I will introduce you to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And He will be your Savior. Is there someone right now, God, speaking to your heart? You say, man, that's a hard thing you're asking me to do, Pastor. Oh, no. This is the most wonderful thing anybody's ever asked you to do. Would you receive Christ right now as your Lord and Savior? Christians are praying for you. All you have to do is stand up. He said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him and I'll raise him up at the last day. Jesus said, all that the Father gives to me shall come to me. And I will receive him. I will not cast him out. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. But God does. And he still said, all that the Father gives to me shall come to me. And he that comes to me, I will not cast out. Would you come? Would you come and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Are you coming to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Is the Lord tugging at your heart? Yes, sir. Yeah. And you want to be saved? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. I want you to stand here. We're going to give somebody Amen. just, we're going to give a moment for somebody else to come. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then we're going to pray together. Someone else. God's spoken to your heart. You know you need to be saved. You're not sure if you died right now where you'd spend eternity. You don't know. You don't know. Well, I want you to know that The Bible says you should know. He says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Oh, friends, if we're walking with the Lord, we can know we have eternal life. Is there someone else who will stand up and say, you know what, today I want to know that I know that I know that I know. 
Anyone at all? I'm waiting. The Spirit is waiting. All right, you ready? Come on. We're going to get on our knees right here. We're going to pray, and you're going to pray with me, okay? All right, let's get on our knees. And now everybody in the house is going to pray this prayer right out loud with you, okay? So I want you to pray it right out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of all my sins. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save my soul. Thank you, Lord. For saving me and changing me. I'm yours, Lord, from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My, one of my favorite scriptures is found in Romans, the 10th chapter. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that means today, Jesus came into your heart. You called on his name. That means you're heaven bound. Now, you're going to live to be like 103. But when you do die, you're going straight to heaven. Give me five. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Please open your Bibles to the book of James. We're in a study going through the book of James. We're in the fourth chapter. So if you'll open your Bibles to the fourth chapter, we'll get started. I want to bring you up to speed. We'll do a very quick review of all the main topics that we've dealt with so far. This will kind of refresh your memory. You remember we began the book with the subject chapter 1 and those first few verses counted all joy. God's always up to something good. No matter what's going on in your life, count it all joy. And then the second thing we looked at was ask God for wisdom. When you don't know what to do, when you don't have the answers, and I want you to know there are many, many times in our lives when we just don't know what to do. And I would assume that would happen almost every day. But we ask God for wisdom. We ask in faith, and He hears us. The third thing we looked at is you boast in the Lord. That means you brag on the Lord. You praise His name. Good times and the bad times. When you're on the mountaintop and when you're in the valley, you boast in the Lord. The fourth thing we looked at is stop losing your temper. Stop getting upset. Stop getting mad with everybody and with everything. The devil knows he can make you mad. He yanks your chain all the time. And the Bible tells us that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. So this is an order straight from God's Word. Stop losing your temper. Start doing God's Word. Don't just be a hearer of the Word. Don't just come to services like this and hear the Word and then go out and live any way you want to live. Start doing God's Word. And then the next thing we looked at was stop showing partiality. God doesn't want us discriminating. God doesn't want us alienating people. Stop showing partiality. If we do, we become judges with evil thoughts. The seventh thing we looked at was stop trusting dead faith. Don't trust dead faith. Faith without works is dead. Do you remember us talking about that? If you have faith without works, it's dead. Faith without works can't save you. Now, you can't work your way into salvation, but true uh, saving faith will always have corresponding works. And so stop trusting dead faith. Number eight, start bridling your tongue. Maybe we should go back and set up camp right there one more time. Start bridling your tongue. Now, the reason the Bible uses that expression, bridling your tongue, is because we cannot tame our tongue. There will never ever come a time in your life when you can trust your tongue. You can't tame it, 
but you can bridle it. So you bridle your tongue so that your tongue is always in obedience to the Scriptures and the ways of the Lord. Number nine, walk in heavenly wisdom, not the wisdom of this world, and there's a big difference. Number ten, humble yourself before God. We've been dealing with this now for two or three Sundays, and today, set in motion a humble life. Now, before I read the text, and I hope you have your Bibles open to James, the fourth chapter, what if someone walked up to you this morning and they said to you, I need you to help me. I need your help. You are a faithful member of River of Life Church. And I am just getting started in the faith. And I need your help. I need your assistance. I need you to give me some direction. If I know you like I think I know you, every person in this church would say, how can I help you? Just tell me what you need, and if it's possible, I'll do it. And if that person were to say to you, this is the help I need. I've been hearing our pastor talk about humility and living a humble life before the Lord. And I need somebody to help me. I don't have a clue where to start. I don't, I don't know how to be a humble person. I don't know how to do it God's way. I don't know what the Bible teaches me. Can you help me be and teach me how to become a humble person according to the Word of God? Where would you start? What would you say to that person? Would you say, well, just get on your knees. Or just, just humble yourself down. That's not good enough. I'm talking about taking a young Christian and training that young Christian. How do you set in motion a humble life? How do you do it? Would you know what to say to that person? Well, the first thing you need to know is this. And this is a real big deal, what I'm about to share with you. And that is that biblical humility and worldly humility are not the same. Now, there may be a few similarities there. But for the most part, biblical humility and worldly humility are very different. They're, they're, they're not the same. You see, biblical humility does not mean that you have to become a milquetoast Christian, a mousy person. You don't have to become a shrinking violet that never says anything or never stands up for truth and who just blends in with the world around them. That's not biblical humility. Now the reason I know that is because of something that I found in the Old Testament. And that is that the Bible tells us there was a man in the Old Testament and this is how it describes him. It says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. He was humble and meek. And the Bible says that, that more than anybody else who was alive in his day, he was the most humble man on earth. Do you know who it was? It was Moses. That's who it was. Moses. Now the problem with that is, is that Moses was high strong. He had a hot temper. He had a, a fiery personality. He was known to fight. He was courageous and strong. Moses was the kind of man who could lead an army of a million or more. When I think of humility, I don't think of somebody like that. But the Bible tells us why Moses is called the most humble man who ever lived. And that is because 
He chose God over Egypt. You, you, remember, you remember that he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter? He was possibly heir to the throne? At least he would have lived in the lap of luxury for the rest of his life with all the riches and treasures of Egypt. But the Bible says that he chose God over Egypt. One passage of Scripture says that he chose to suffer affliction with the children of God rather, to, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. A passage in the New Testament speaking of Moses said that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Wow! Repeatedly in the Old Testament, this is what we find. Repeatedly, we find it saying that Moses did as the Lord commanded him. You can find that statement. I looked it up several times. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Friends, the reason Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth in God's eyes was because he submitted to God. He did what God wanted him to do. He obeyed the Lord. So, so here's what I want you to understand, friends. And that is that, that biblical humility is not weakness. It's nothing about biblical humility that's weak. Biblical humility is when you're strong enough to stand up and say yes to God when everybody around you is saying no to God. Biblical humility... It's when you're strong enough and courageous enough to stand against the enemy and to stand up for truth when no one else is standing. See, that's what Moses did. And friends, that's what you and I need to do if we want to set in motion a humble life and we want to live it out before God and before the world. Now, believe it or not, our passage of Scripture tells us and this is no exaggeration, exactly how to do it. You got a pen or a pencil you can write down? You will know exactly what you need to do to become a biblically humble person by the time you walk out of here today. The Bible tells us what to do, and it's in our text. Now, before I read our text, and we're in James 4, we'll begin in verse 6, and we'll read through verse 10. You need to see this text in context. Verse 6 is about humility, verse 10 is about humility, and everything in between is, is about humility. It's teaching us how to step by step become truly humble before God. James 4, beginning in verse 6, but he gives more grace, therefore he says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Well, there it is. Six things that you and I have to do. Six things that are required of us. First of all, you submit to God. That's the first thing you do. And then you resist the devil. And then you draw close to the Lord. And then you cleanse your hands. And then you purify your heart. And then the Bible says you weep and mourn before the Lord. 
Those six things. And man, those, those six things are powerful. I heard a long time ago when I just gave my life to Christ many, many years ago, somebody said, if you'll bow before the Lord, you can stand before men. I remember asking a, an older, wiser Christian one time, shortly after I got saved, I'd heard about people dying for their faith, and I remember saying to this person, I don't know if I could do it. I'm not sure I could actually die for my faith. I'm not sure I could lay my life down. I feel like I'm too weak. I don't know if I could do it. And this older, wiser Christian said to me, that's the wrong question. The question is not, could you die for your faith? The question is, can you live for your faith? And then this person said to me, because if you can live for God, if you can walk with Him and humble yourself down with Him and walk in a relationship with Him, if that time were to ever come when you needed to die for Him, you'll be able to do it. But don't worry about dying for Him. That'll take care of itself. Just worry about living for Him. Man, there was some wisdom in that. Oh, friends, God wants us to walk with Him, to humbly bow down before Him and to walk with Him. Let's go through those six things very quickly this morning. First of all, submit to the Lord. Submit to God. Do you know what that means? That means to put yourself under God, where you put yourself under Him. That's what the Greek word means. Not one nation under God, but one person under God. You see, I want America to get right, don't you? I want America to have revival, don't you? I want America to see the glory of God and walk in obedience to our God. I want to see that, but I can't make that happen. I can't make us be one nation under God. But I want you to know I can make a choice when it comes to me. One person under God. Under His teachings, under His will, under His ways, under His influence. One person bowing down before a holy God where He has the supreme authority in my life in everything. That's the first thing we do. We submit to God. The second thing is, is we resist the devil. We resist Him. You know what that means? That means you take a stand. That means you, you draw a line in the sand as it were. That means you say, thus far and no more. I won't, I won't listen to any more of your lies. I won't hear your deception anymore. I won't fall for your tricks anymore. I, I won't do it. You serve notice to the enemy. It, some of us need to, to serve some divorce papers to the devil. We need to get the enemy out of our lives. And I want you to know these first two go hand in hand. You see, you get yourself out from under the enemy and you get yourself under God in submission. And then the third thing you do is you draw close to the Lord. And this goes way beyond submission. This means that you go on a journey. It means you go on a pilgrimage. It means you move from where you are to where He is. It means you spend the rest of your life getting close to Him. It means the most important relationship you have on planet earth is the relationship you have with the Lord your God. And it means you love Him and you pursue Him. And that's a daily thing that goes on for the rest of your life. And then the next thing you do, and I'm not necessarily saying these things happen in this order, but the Bible puts them in this order, and so I'm putting them in this order. The next thing you do is you, you cleanse your hands. That's a biblical way of saying you clean up your life. That's a biblical way of saying you get your act together. 
That's the biblical way of saying you turn things around. That's the biblical way of saying if something's going on in your life that's not pleasing to God, you start doing something about it. You do something about it now. You get it out of your life right now. You cleanse your hands. And then the next thing he says is, purify your hearts. You see, it's not enough just to get a sin off of your hands. You have to get it out of your heart. You you want it out of your uh, behavior and and away from you so that you're not committing the sin anymore, that you also want it out of your heart. You want the root of that sin gone. You want it moved. You want it, you want it gone. You don't want it to be there anymore. I tell you, friends, if there's anything I've seen through my ministry, uh, I've seen this. I've seen people who will get a sin off of their hands, but they don't get it out of their heart. And I want to tell you, when you get a sin off of your hands and out of your behavior, but you don't get it out of your heart, it won't be long. It'll be right back in your hands. Because that's where the root of sin comes from. So you cleanse your hands, you purify your hearts, and then he says, mourn and weep. That literally means to cry before God. It means that you, you mourn, you weep, you cry before the Lord. And so, and James wanted to make sure we didn't misinterpret what he was saying. So he, he literally says, turn your laughter into mourning. In other words, you, you weep before God. You mourn before Him. And here's what James is saying as he gives us these six things. James is saying, come on, this is the pathway to biblical humility. This is the right way. You you submit to God, you resist the devil, you, you draw nigh to God, you cleanse your hands, you purify your heart, you mourn and weep before the Lord. And he says, when you do this, God gives more grace to the humble. And when you do this, God will lift you up in due season. That's, that's what the Scripture says. Now, I want you to fasten your seatbelts just for a few moments because I think this is going to clear some things up with you. I know it did with me. But we have a little bit of a misconception about the Bible sometime and about the way things work. But there's something very significant about all six of these things. And you know what it is? And that is we have to do it. James doesn't say pray about this until the Holy Spirit moves on you and does something. James doesn't say pray about this until the angels of glory show up and provide divine, heavenly, supernatural intervention and correct things in your life. James says you have to do this. You have to submit to God. You have to resist the devil. You have to draw nigh to Him. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. You have to mourn before Him. This is something you have to do. I have to do this. This is what we have to do, friends. I want to tell you, I believe in prayer. And by the way, God's cranking some things up in this church in the area of prayer. Uh, Those of you who were here on Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, can I get an amen out of you? Man, I want you to know we are beginning to pray. We are praying in this church. And if you're not coming on Wednesday night, you can possibly come. Even if you can't come on a regular basis, come when you can. And join a prayer team on prayer meeting night. I believe in prayer, but I want to tell you something, friends. You can pray about submitting to God. You can pray about resisting the devil. You can pray about drawing close to God. Uh, you, you can pray about cleansing your hands and purifying your heart. You can pray about this all day long for the rest of your life and nothing's going to happen. Because God won't do it for you. This is what you have to do. This is what I have to do. 
This is called personal responsibility. We have to do something about it. Um, a preacher who was born in 1917, uh, he died in 2003. Uh, you may have read or heard of some of his material. Uh, Kenneth Hagin was his name. He told a story of a vision or a dream that he had early in his life. He said it changed his whole life. And he said, he said he didn't know what it was. I, I actually heard him preach this message. He said he didn't know if it was a vision. He didn't know if it was a dream. He said, all I know is it happened and I saw it. But he said he was praying. He said, I was on my knees. And I was praying. I had my hands lifted up. And I was praying to the Father. And he said, all of a sudden, he said the whole room washed out with the glory of God. Everything just turned white. Brilliant. And he said, and then the ceiling was gone and the walls were gone. And there he was and he was looking up and he said, and then all of a sudden there was a manifestation of Jesus Himself. Man, I, I, he said it was what he'd always longed for. It's what he'd always wanted. He'd prayed. He'd always wanted to see a glimpse of the glory of the Lord. And he said, there he was. Christ Himself was right before him. And he said he could hardly breathe. And he said he couldn't wait to, to ask him questions and to hear from him. And he said as he knelt there and looked up, he said Jesus opened his mouth to say something to him. And this is what he said. He said, just at the time Jesus opened his mouth to say something, he said a demon came on the scene. A demon. He said, I don't know how to describe it, but he said it was a little thing. He said it was an ugly thing. He, he, caught, he said he looked more like a monkey than he did anything else. And so he called him a demon monkey. And he said, just as Jesus opened his mouth, he says, this demon monkey comes in. And he says, this demon monkey just starts shouting and screaming and talking. Yakety, 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 yak. And he said, all he could hear was that demon. And he said, he could see the mouth of the Lord Jesus opening and closing. But he could not hear one word Jesus was saying. And he said, I'd never been so frustrated in my life. He said, I was, I was angry. I didn't know what to do. He said, for the first time in my life, I'm having a revelation of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got this little demon that won't shut up. And I can't hear a word he's saying. And he said, finally, out of desperation, he said, Jesus, please do something about this demon. And he said, Jesus said to him, I can't. I can't do anything about it. That's not the way things are set up. Said so Jesus said to him, when I went to the cross and died on the cross, I purchased your salvation. I made it possible for you to be a born again child of God. And when you became a child of God, I gave you the authority authority that you need to stand against the enemy. And Jesus said, I can't and I will not do anything about that demon. And then he said, Jesus said to him, if you want something done with him, you do it. 
And he said, he, and then all he can hear again is this demon. And then he says, out of frustration, he said he'd never done anything like this before. Finally, he just said, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you, you foul demon, and I command you to get out of here. And he said, that monkey demon just went screaming and just, just took off. And then he said, it was perfectly quiet. He thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to get to hear the words of the Lord. And he said, and his dream was over. And he said he was so sad. He was so sad because he didn't get to hear what Jesus had to say to him. And he said he just, he cried in his spirit. And then he, he finally said, he, he finally said, but then the Lord revealed to me, I did hear what he wanted to say to me. He wanted to say to me that if I want to hear His voice, I have to stand against the enemy. If I want to hear His voice and be submitted to Him, I have to take authority over the enemy. So I'm asking you today, friends, when was the last time you said, maybe not in public, even though I don't think there would be anything wrong with it in some situations. But when was the last time you said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I take authority over you, the enemy, and I command you to get out of my head and out of my heart and out of my home and out of my church and out of my business and out of my life. I command you to leave. When was the last time you did that? Yeah, five of us can remember. Now I know what you're thinking right now. I've been pastoring a long time. I know what you're thinking. Oh my goodness, this sounds a lot like charismania. This sounds like the charismatic movement. No! It doesn't! It sounds like the Bible. In Luke 10, 19. In Luke 10, 19, these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I quote them verbatim. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Then nothing shall by any means hurt you. Those are the words of Jesus. Oh, child of God. When did we stop resisting the enemy? I, isn't it kind of funny? The way things are going in our day and time, the trend. Isn't it kind of funny? We still believe in heaven, but we're not sure about hell anymore, are we? We still believe in angels, but we're not sure about demons anymore, are we? We still believe in God, but we're not sure about Satan anymore, are we? We still believe in the Bible, but we're not sure we should do everything the Bible says. Oh, friends, what James is saying is if you want to humble yourself before God, if you want to set in motion a lifestyle of humility, a humble life, then you have to not only submit yourself to the Lord God, but you have to resist the enemy. And I love this. This comes right out of our text. It says if you resist Him, He will run from you. He will run from you. I, I want to tell you something. When a child of God says, the devil is on my back and I can't get him off, that's an embarrassment to the person who's saying it. Because the Bible says, resist him and he will run from you. By the way, flee and run mean the same thing, doesn't it? 
Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That means he'll run from you. Oh, you say, Pastor, what in the world does this have to do with humility? Everything. Everything. Because you see, that's where humility begins. It begins by submitting yourself under God and getting yourself out from under Satan. And you begin to walk with God. And that walk involves drawing close to Him, cleansing your hands, purifying your heart, and at times falling on your face before Him and weeping. Most of you know this, but I never get tired of telling this story. This church is built on holy ground. Now, I believe any ground can become holy ground. I believe your home can become holy ground. I, I, I believe that there are some things you can do that can make a place holy ground. Don't you? We, we did it when we bought this piece of property. We came out here. In fact, I saw one of the pastors that assisted us in this. And we came out. We knew about where the worship center would be. We stood right here. It was nothing but just grass and dirt. And we took a bottle of oil, and we poured it out on the ground, and we dedicated it to the Lord Jesus Christ. This church is built on sacred ground, holy ground, dedicated ground. And, and we prayed over it, and we anointed it, and we gave it to God. And I believe that. But then later, I found out that this ground, this place has been sacred ground for decades dating back 60, 70 years. I found out from the black community around here that this field where this church is was called the morning fields. And what they would do is as the black churches would have revival, and they would take their teenagers, they would take their young adults, they would even take older people who were seeking the Lord in salvation, and they wouldn't just kind of pray over them and say, okay, that's it, and just confer salvation on them. What they would do is these black pastors and black elders would send their young people to the morning fields. And this was one of the fields. And they would come, and this is what they would say, go find you a place in that field and give before the Lord and begin to cry and weep and mourn and pour your heart out to God. And don't stop until God touches your heart. Don't quit crying until God touches your heart. Oh, friends, I, this church is on sacred ground. By the way, a member of this church tells me that he remembers when he was a teenager coming to this very location and he could hear cries all over the field where people were crying out to God. This is holy ground. This is sacred ground. People got saved on this location long before there was a church here. People got filled with the Holy Spirit long before any facilities were here. Why? Because God had a plan. And by the way, we didn't even know it, sister. We didn't even know it. I've had more than one person tell me, I'm going to join that church just because, just because I know where you're building it. 
That was in God's plan from the beginning. This property couldn't have been anything else but a church. No way. Listen, friends, isn't it time we stop laughing about everything? Isn't it time that we start taking seriously what's wrong in our lives, what's wrong in our families, what's wrong in our nations? Isn't it time that we cleanse our hands and purify our hearts and turn our laughing into mourning and get before God and weep and cry out until God shows up? Until God invades the house. Until the power and glory of God is manifested. Oh, friends, it's time for us, all of us, to set in motion a humble life. There it is right there. Submit to God. It's a prerequisite. No way around it. Resist the devil. You can act like he doesn't exist, but friends, he still exists. Draw near to God. That means you go in pursuit of the Lord. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Cleanse your hands. Listen, you can keep playing around with the sin that's in your life and God will let you keep playing around with it and the devil will keep defeating you. But when you get serious... By the way, if you are a child of God, you can stop sinning. You can get that sin out of your life. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. In other words, don't just get the sin off your hands. Get it out of your heart. And then mourn and weep. Cry out until God shows up. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.